Okay, so you can hear me? That's good. If this falls off, then... You'll be fine. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be fine. I can feel it yeah. moving. Hello, everybody. Yeah. I'm back from a little journey. And what a journey it was. Yeah, we just had an amazing time, the team that went with us to Zambia. And uh, before, I have a message to, to, uh, to share this morning, but I just wanted to take a couple minutes just to touch down on this amazing trip to Zambia. And um, here, let me just get this started. There it is. Uh, a few pictures here. I mean, there's so many, so many pictures, so many memories, so many, so many little miracles, so many God moments that happened uh, in our time in Zambia. Uh, the people who came from Revolution Church, who were part of the team, each one of them probably has a dozen or more testimonies to share. And hopefully over the course of the next few weeks and stuff, we'll have opportunity for some of those, those testimonies to be shared. But... I just wanted to just say thank you. Thank you to Revolution Church, to this house, for praying for us, for giving financially, for supporting uh, us in so many ways. 100% of the finances that were sowed for this trip went to the people in Zambia. And that's, that really is a remarkable testimony that we have as a church, that we have people on the ground that are willing to receive the funds and physically carry it over the border of Zambia to make sure that each one of the dollars goes to the people there. We're part of a partnership of doers, of people who are doing. If we never went to Zambia, if we never sent a single dime to them, they would still be doing, they would still be worshiping God, they would still be uh, people full of vision, full of expectation, full of, of a desire to see God move in the people, in the children, in the school. So it is our privilege to just be able to partner with this. And it really is an amazing privilege when you meet, in particular, the Sakala family and, and his group of elders and, and pastors and teachers. These are people who believe in God, number one. They believe in their country and the potential that Zambia has to be um, a strategic nation in the country, in the continent of Africa. Um, and they believe in the kids. They believe that uh, through Christian education that these kids can be uh, strategic uh, history makers in their, in their country. And that's what we get to be part of. So this time around, we got to sow in particular into the school. We, uh, the school has not one laptop, which is really quite a remarkable thing to think from our context. But they need, a lot. They need laptops, they need computers in order to be accredited by the, the Zambian government, which they want. And so they've been really praying, 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 praying for, for what would have been a miraculous resource for them. And we thankfully, with the, with the finances that you contributed here in the church and those who contributed even a, a little extra amount, we were able to, uh, to buy laptops, we were able to buy a big screen for them to project on, and we were able to um, as well buy a couple of bikes so that commuting and transportation would be made easier. You should have seen 
the thrill and the scream of joy when these, when these laptops were presented. I mean, we take these things for granted. Most of us have laptops just hanging around rotting in our, in our house, but these were precious, precious items. And um, in addition, we also left 17 soccer balls behind, and as much as the roar was for the laptop, there was even a greater roar <laughs> for the soccer balls. And... Uh, so I just wanted to really just say thank you. We felt your prayers. There were little miracles happening all the time, things that could have gone sideways that didn't, um, opportunities that were presented to us that were just amazing God opportunities, and we knew that that was because you uh, were praying and supporting us, and so we're very grateful for that. There's going to be a lot more to say, a lot more opportunities to sow, a lot more opportunities, hopefully, for people to actually go there. And if you, if you can, if you can do it, it really is a life-changing experience. And I hope that those who were part of the team will be able to share that with you um, over, over the course of the next few weeks and months. All right. So I really, I, I have a very simple message this morning. And uh, I felt... I felt God just say, okay, keep it simple. I was stressing out a little bit about this, but I think in the process of stressing, God just said, why are you complicating this? <laughs> why, are you doing, why, are you, why are you making this into something bigger than it is? And I, I felt like that's kind of what God was saying to, to, uh, to us as a church. Like, why are you stressing out? Why are you overcomplicating? Why are you making this into a bigger deal than it has to be? The gospel is simple. The work is simple. Our love for each other and for God is simple. Um, so I, with the time remaining, I would just like to share uh, just a, a very simple word. And it's going to start with a picture. And first, I just want you to imagine you know, the course of, your year, of, of a year with your family, with your friends, with your loved ones. And over the course of the year, sometimes if, if you like to cook or if you like to host or maybe you don't like to do others, but you do that because you love the people that you're with, you, you throw a big dinner. It may be Christmas, it may be Thanksgiving, it may just be having friends and family over. Excuse me, this is going to be a bit of a distraction here, so I'm going to try and fix it once and for all so I'm not fiddling with it. Um, I might need it, but if I just move this slightly there, we'll try it one more time. But uh, yeah, so you, you prepare a big meal. It may take all day for you to prepare. You, you, you pour your love into it. There's lots of thought and care for that. And everyone sits down. They enjoy the meal. They com comment on the flavors. They, they compliment the the presentation, and you sit down and you're very satisfied. But then sometimes, over the course of your year, you, and more often, you just set, serve grilled cheese. And when you look over the, the many meals that you've served, you realize that you've served more grilled cheese than you have these big elaborate meals. Today, I just want you to remember grilled cheese. So if you come away today 
and you just think, you remember this one thing. What, what was the sermon about this morning? Well, it was about grilled cheese. And this grilled cheese, and if you're, if you're a conscientious parent, because I felt slightly guilty about just pasting this very bland grilled cheese up there, but if you're a slightly conscientious parent, um, and you're serving, or, or friend for that matter, um, and you're serving grilled cheese, you might add some sliced cucumbers. So I'm just adding that for, for the effect. Um, that this, this grilled cheese is a metaphor for a principle that I feel God wants to communicate to us today. It is simple, it's humble, it's an unsophisticated principle, but in the end, if you apply it faithfully, it will produce great results. We tend to overcomplicate things, including our walk with God. Many of us have dreams and expectations for, life, for our lives. Many, many of us have received words over our lives personally, things that God has spoken to us, prophecies that have been spoken over us. And we hold these things dear, but we hold them at such a distance and, and, we, and we strive toward this that we don't realize that the thing that gets us to the things that God has spoken over us is not those huge banquet meals that we serve, but the little grilled cheese moments in our life that add up to the big. God is saying this morning, don't complicate the vision. Don't blow it out of proportion so the attaining of it feels so distant, so big, and so unattainable. Reaching the goals and calling that God has set before us is more about serving grilled cheese than it is about elaborate, perfect meals. And the nourishment that those moments provide for us produces great results. I had a dream a few months ago, and it's, it's just a really kind of funny dream. And in fact, I was kind of surprised by it myself. I was, uh, I was dreaming, and I saw this woman, and... She had written a, a, a book, uh, a novel, and at the end of the dream, I just looked at her and I said, how do you write a book? And she looked at me in, in the most simple of ways and said, you write a chapter every week. And I woke up. And it just it impacted me because it was so simple, so obvious that God actually had to communicate that to me in a dream. It's like, if you want to write a book, if you want to do something great, if you want to attain to the things that God has put in your heart, just apply yourself on a weekly basis to something. Apply yourself in a simple task, and pretty soon you have a whole novel in front of you. So too it is with the kingdom. The achievement of great things in the kingdom comes more from the faithful application of small, daily, incremental, and humble disciplines than it does from big moments. International conferences, counters, which obviously all these things are good. Going to a conference is wonderful. Having an amazing third heaven experience with God is wonderful. We all desire that. But once those encounters are over, once that conference is over, it comes down to the daily, mundane, and ordinary steps to achieve the thing that God has called you to. I want to highlight just a few Bible stories to you today. 
just to explain or to elaborate on the principle that I believe God wants us to understand. Um, I'm not going to go through the the depth of these stories because they're all involved and they're amazing stories. But I would encourage you, if you have a pen or or or, or a camera, just take a picture of the verses I've I've. Um, put up on the screen and read over these stories. Just just read over them. They're amazing stories. If you haven't visited them for a while, I just encourage you to do that. And um, yeah, just study and, uh, and apply what you've learned in that. So in each one of these stories, something miraculous happens from the ordinary. So the first story is in Exodus 4, one to seven. I'm just going to highlight this. Uh, this is this is Moses's moment with God, the burning bush moment, and and God talks to him and asks him to do this this amazing thing. And and uh, Moses answers. He says, "What if they do not believe me, or listen to me and say uh, the Lord did not appear to you?" Then the Lord said to him, "What is that in your hand? A staff." He replied. I'm just going to read on this story. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. But the first thing the Lord asked him is, what is in your hand? 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7. Another story. I'm oh, sorry, 17. 7 to 16. As, uh, this is the Elijah, Elijah story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. And in this story, she says, As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. She didn't have anything when the, when the prophet asked, well, what, what, how are you going to feed me? How, you know, I'd like you to make something. She said, I have nothing. I, I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil. And the story goes that Elijah said, you go bake something for me. You make a cake. You make a piece of bread. And, and this jar will never stop flowing. Second Kings 4.2. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Again, this question, what do you have in your house? I'll help you, sure, but what do you have? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. In this story, this woman, her sons were, she owed a debt. Her husband had died. He had owed a debt. Her sons were going to be sold into slavery in order to pay that debt. And she comes desperately to the prophet and says, you've you got to help me. My husband was a godly man, and I'm left with nothing. And he says, well, yeah, sure, I'd like to help you, but what do you have in your house? What are you bringing to this scenario? And she says, well, I have nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. And the story goes that he says, okay, now, you go and collect as many jars as you can find, and you just start pouring. And as she poured, and as she poured, those jars continued to fill up. Another story. Second Kings 4, 42 to 44. A man came from Baal Shalashah. 
um, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. And he responds, how can I set this before a hundred men? This is a story of provision. He only had a few things, but in, in turn, as soon as he brought that and offered that, the multiplication started to happen. One last verse, John 6, one we know very well, John 6, 5 to 13, the story of feeding the 5,000. They looked around, they could see nothing to feed this great multitude. And except for this verse, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? God's saying to us right now, what do you have right now? There's this great vision, there's this great need, there's this great desire, but what do you have in your hand? What are you bringing? God is willing to work with that. You might say, well, I only have a bit of oil and flour. I only have a few loaves and two fish. I only have a shepherd's staff. Great, God says. Okay, now we can start. This is what we're going to do. This is what you're going to do. Just take what you've got, take what's in your hand, take what you have in your house, and apply it. We blow things way out of proportion, and I really, I'm the worst of, uh, offender in this. I look so far in the distance, and I can see what God is, is bringing us to, but I don't realize that there are a thousand micro steps to get to that point. God's trying to bring us and ground us. He says, just take those very small, practical baby steps in faith in that direction. Move he will open the doors. He will shift atmospheres. He will move harps. He will perform the miraculous. But we need to move. We need to put down our staff. We need to get those empty jars and start filling. We need to, to offer what we have in our house or in our person. We need to serve and to watch our offering multiply. Many of us have become... I'll use a somewhat crude term, but it's the truth. It's what came to me. Many of us have become constipated in our calling, wondering how God is going to use us, wondering what we're called to. We've become so pent up with what is God going to do that we've forgotten that each one of us have something to offer. And it's now. It's a now word. It's no longer time to linger on the sidelines, wringing our hands, wondering what God, how is God going to do this? How is God going to use us? How am I going to get to that vision that I have? How am I going to become that person I feel God has called me to become? What is already in your possession? And what is already in your sphere of influence? What is already part of your abilities, your talents, your gifts, your knowledge? God wants to use that, whether it's small or whether it's great. Everyone here, regardless of age, regardless of demographic, has something in their hands right now. God is saying, okay, now put that down. Give that to me. Submit that thing that you have to me and see what I will do with it. The amazing things of these stories that I just listed was that in every single case, there was more than enough. The person came with the need. The person came with the vision. The person came with the request. But in 
offering what was in their hands, in offering what they had to bring to the table, God multiplied, and he multiplied not just in the way to provide the need or the request or the vision, but he went beyond it. So the widow had enough um, oil and, and, and flour to make a cake for the prophet, but also to feed her and her son until the, the drought ceased. Um, the the, uh, the feeding of the 5,000 was not just to feed the 5,000, but there was 12 baskets left over. It's like, just imagine the abundance of God. He not only does what we ask or, or, or fulfills that request or that need or that vision, but he multiplies beyond the need so that even there's an overflow. There is always more for us but we need to flow in order to experience some more. Growth comes when we sow in faith what we already possess. If you don't plant a seed, no plant, no fruit will come of it. You only have a bag of seed. Moses had a shepherd's staff. It was humble. It was probably something he found. You know when you're going out for a walk in the woods and there's just this perfect, beautiful staff there and you're like, I've got to pick that up. I've got to walk with this. Even if I don't need it, I'm going to walk with this. Moses, Moses probably found it. Maybe he made it. Maybe he, 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 formed, he, he carved it. We don't know. But what does the staff represent? It represents hard work in obscurity, time-tending flocks and walking through mountains and caverns, early mornings, late nights, long hours, faithfulness uh, to his family, to, to many, many hours that no one knew except God knew. And that staff represented that. That staff represented just hard work in the mundane, in the ordinary, in the unnoticed, in the places that no one saw him. He was faithful. And pretty soon... Moses, sorry, I'm sorry about this <laughs> silly thing. Um, Moses found himself in an encounter with God. And God says, what's in your hand? That staff, that same staff would part the Red Sea. But that staff was, was a symbol of something much more, much more ordinary, much more humble Moses was and was described the most humble man that ever walked the earth. That's quite a statement. But I think it's in that staff. It's in the humility of the ordinary grilled cheese moments of our life where we prove our faithfulness and our obedience to God. There's an, a principle in increasing in the anointing. When you use what you have, God fills you with more. And as long as you... Continue to be willing, to be open and available vessels through the process, there will always be more and more and more and more. But you have to give God that empty jar. The widow woman uh, who Elisha struck to get as many jars as she could find, as she filled the jars, there was more oil. As many jars as she could fill, there was more oil to be had. When, when, then when there was no more jars, there was no more filling. That is a principle that we can apply to our life. 
Keep gathering jars. Keep bringing things to God. Keep moving. Keep doing. Keep working. Keep applying yourself. Keep allowing God to fill. As soon as we stop sowing, as soon as we stop flowing, God stops filling. And that's just the way it works. So if you want the flow of God in your life, if you want the miraculous, if you want the anointing, start flowing with God. Start moving, start doing, start acting with whatever you have in your hand. Don't look so far in the distance say, well, when I become this, or when I get educated, or when my kids grow up, or when, when, when. We all have a list. And I understand because I have a list too. But God's saying, no, it's now. It's a now word. It's a now time. And everyone is part of what God wants to do in this hour. We in this region here, and when I say we, it's not just Revolution Church, but here we together are Revolution Church. We are part of the solution and the vision that God has for this region. That means that every single one of you are part of that vision. If you've been called here, if you've been planted here, if you've been... um, uh, yeah, if you've been given something of, of, of workplace, of family, of whatever that is rooted here, it means that God wants you here. So you're part of God's vision. You're a strategic player in the outflow of what God wants to do in this region, in this time. It's not just us as leaders. You know, I know it, we know that God wants to grow. God wants to multiply. God wants to do good works in this time. And I could look at myself and say, well, how do I become a better leader? How do I grow in capacity? How do I become one of these you know, CEOs that, that lead multinational companies? No, that's not the way that the kingdom works. It's not necessarily that leaders become bigger in order to lead more people. It's that the people become bigger to lead more people. The people who are carrying this vision become disciples who then disciple, who then disciple. You are a disciple. If you're a disciple, everyone here is a disciple potentially of Jesus Christ. That means that you can disciple others. You can move, you can act, you can do, and that's where the multiplication, that's where the growth is going to come. That's when when God can move as we've been praying him to move. It's not that leaders become bigger bigger capacity people, although that's important, is that the leaders release the people to become bigger capacity people. And I believe that's what God wants for us, for us as a church. So God is asking us now, each one of us, what is in your hand? What do you have? Ask God that. Ask him, what do I have in my hand? Maybe you feel insignificant. Maybe you feel like you don't have anything strategic to give, but God's saying you do. Just look. What is in your house? What is in your hand? What is in the the breadth of who you are as a person? Maybe you can serve a mean grilled cheese. Well, start doing that. Don't think that I've got to set this amazing elaborate banquet in order to be useful to God. Start serving grilled cheese. Start doing. Start acting. So just in in closing here, it's always been intended by God to be in us. 
to be us. All of us contributing in different ways in the spheres of our influence. Let's not overcomplicate what God has called us to. Let's not live our lives from one Instagrammable moment to another. You know how it is with social media. People put their best moments, and that's good. We want to be those best moments, and that's why we show them to the world. But, but in between those best moments are all kinds of micro steps, and that's what God is interested in. It's a simple gospel. It's a simple gospel. Loving God, loving each other. Ultimately, that's it. Loving God, loving his son, loving his spirit, loving this togetherness, loving each other. And when we do that well, God moves, God flows, God shakes, God does the miraculous. So let's just, let's just pray together. I'm just going to pray for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for each person here, Lord. Thank you that you see them and you know them by name. Lord, each person here is precious, precious to you. And you are asking them, what is it that you have in your hands? What do you have to bring? What do you have to contribute? Lord, I thank you, Lord, for all those humble meals that are served in obscurity. Thank you, Lord, for those who serve faithfully. Thank you, Lord, for those who pray in the secret place. Thank you, Lord, for those who open their homes in hospitality, those who serve meals and bake cookies and, and exchange greetings with neighbors. Lord, thank you for those who have strength, who have muscle and ability, strength to, to bring, to do the hard work, to move people. No one likes to move people, <laughs> but those people who get up and they load pickup trucks and they do it with, with love. Lord, thank you for all those moms and dads who get up in the middle of the night and change diapers and do it with a heart of thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for all those moms and dads who make meals and, and wash dishes and, yeah, just love their families. Lord, you, you are there. You are there in those moments. You're there when we go to work on a Monday morning. You're there uh, at lunch hours and conversations with coworkers. You are there in every single moment, Lord. We love the great moments. We love the God-ordained encounters with you, Lord. But, but our lives are made of, of much simpler moments where you are. And those simple moments are the fabric of our lives that produces character and compassion and empathy. And all the fruits of the Spirit are in those little moments. Patience, kindness, gentleness. Lord, we pray, Lord, that this church would be a fruitful church, that we would produce great fruit of righteousness 
fruit that's tangible, fruit that's tasty, fruit that is delicious to look at and to eat. Thank you, Lord, for inspiration this morning. Lord, thank you for speaking to every heart that they are important to you. They are important to the kingdom work. They are important, and they all have something in their hand. We thank you. We receive those gifts now, Lord. We receive those works now. We receive those talents and abilities and ideas now. We pray, Lord, that you would multiply in Jesus' name.